And now introducing Mr. Keith Lanton. Hi, good morning. It's Keith. Hope everybody had a wonderful uh, last uh, week of uh, summer weekend. This morning is uh, Monday, September 19th. And uh, next week we'll be talking. It'll be fall. And we're approaching the end of uh, the third quarter of 2022. And uh, in a few more weeks, we'll be talking about uh, earnings um, and hopefully not lack thereof. There is a a lot to talk about uh, this morning as uh, we had a uh, week last week in the financial markets where we saw stocks fall significantly at the same time. Uh, Bonds saw their yields rise, especially uh, most pronounced on the uh, shorter end of the yield curve. Uh, this morning, going to uh, talk about you know, perhaps uh, why some of the effects that we're seeing in the financial markets are happening and uh, what we can do to position our portfolios uh, to take advantage of or at least, uh, or at least uh, uh, ride out uh, with some shelter uh, to what's taking place uh, in the uh, equity markets and discuss uh, with Brad uh, some of the opportunities in the bond markets now that we're seeing yields uh, that we haven't seen in uh, 10 or 15 years. Um, in bonds, and uh, we can be very surprised and uh, sometimes uh, don't know how to react. Uh, but there are, in my opinion, uh, some opportunities that we haven't seen in the bond market uh, for a long, long time. And uh, we should uh, think about uh, portfolios and repositioning portfolios uh, for the long term uh, now that uh, the uh, returns on bonds um, are uh, competitive in some instances with uh, with stocks. Also going to talk about uh, some uh, words of wisdom on uh, doing what we love, Um, tie that into uh, Warren Buffett and some of his thoughts on uh, career choice and how we should approach each day. And uh, and then we'll talk about uh, what we saw in the financial markets last week and uh, this week is going to be a big week and we'll talk a lot about what to uh, expect from the Fed um, this week and uh, how we may want to react to that. And then uh, we'll talk about some uh, some opportunities in uh, in in the markets, uh, in particular, in a couple of different uh, equities in the uh, markets, and uh, how we may want to position our uh, portfolios uh, specifically within uh, different equity sectors. So, h- how do we get where we are today? It's not that hard when you look back uh, to see how we got here. It's hard to uh, have predicted where we'd be today. Um, it's easy to look backwards. So coming into uh, COVID, we already had a fairly strong economy. We had uh, some geopolitical policies uh, that, uh, with the benefit of hindsight, uh, didn't uh, didn't uh, help or, uh, or 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 added to some of the pain that we're seeing today. Um, so coming into uh, COVID, we had a mentality of uh, beginning uh, to onshore uh, here domestically which in of itself is uh, somewhat inflationary. Policy in of itself uh, may make a lot of sense given uh, what's gone on between relations between the U.S. and some of uh, our uh, former cooperative uh, friends uh, like China. But uh, the feeling has been that uh, certain key products should be manufactured domestically. At the same time, um, we were reviewing our immigration policy and uh, limiting the number of uh, folks who could come into the country, both uh, both on uh, visas uh, for uh, for folks who uh, had uh, uh, ability to add to uh, some of our uh, technology and uh, information uh, knowledge, um, but we were getting concerned that we were allowing too many uh, people into the country, and we uh, were already in the midst of uh, limiting immigration at the same time. 
our country was graying and uh, we had reduced uh, fertility as uh, as men and women decided to start families later, have fewer kids and all that uh, combining to uh, have uh, fewer people in the workforce. And then we had uh, the war in Ukraine um, certainly uh, affect uh, the commodity markets and the ability uh, for the world to get more natural gas and uh, food products like uh, like grains. Oil, which was immediately impacted, uh, wasn't as severely impacted long term. So those geopolitical situations collided uh, with COVID, where we had the Federal Reserve and the government uh, ease uh, significantly. We had monetary policy bring interest rates down uh, to zero in many parts of the world below zero. And we had a federal government that uh, was uh, figuratively and literally uh, handing out money. Uh, these two uh, factors collided when uh, COVID ended, um, or, you know, ended is a strong word, but receded. Um, certainly, there are still folks every day uh, struggling with COVID, don't mean to minimize that. Um, but uh, by and large, the uh, U.S. economy has reopened, and uh, we are feeling the effects or the hangover uh, of uh, of all of those uh, stimulative policies colliding with uh, the policies that were in place uh, previously that were somewhat inflationary. And we have a super inflationary cycle that we are experiencing today. And the Fed is uh, trying to give us uh, medicine to ease this hangover and get us uh, back to a base state. Uh, but uh, it's proving a, a little bit more challenging uh, than many had predicted given uh, the extent of, uh, of the uh, amount of uh, funds that were uh, were released into the system. And uh, given uh, that uh, we've also had federal policies uh, that uh, have uh, added to uh, some of the uh, some of the some of the party. Um, we've had uh, the current administration uh, have uh, some student loan reform. Um, we've had the CHIPS Act where the government's going to be spending about 50 billion dollars to onshore. Um, all these policies in them themselves may be good policies. Um, and we've also had uh, infrastructure spending passed. Um, so independently, a lot of these things may, may look like they make a lot of sense, but you have to look at the uh, the grand vision, the whole picture. And when you look at the whole picture, you've got uh, lots of stimulus from COVID, uh, meeting uh, policies on the fiscal level, um, onshoring, immigration, uh, less fertility, uh, graying workforce, war in Ukraine, um, all colliding at the same time uh, together. And uh, you've got the Federal Reserve uh, being the sole um, sole army, so to speak, to uh, fight the forces of, uh, of rising prices. And that's uh, the midst of the world that we are in today. Now, I don't think that all is, uh, is as uh, horrible as it sounds right there. Uh, the Fed has done a good job of raising rates, um, s- slowing uh, the rate of uh, inflation, um, which acts with a lag. Um, but uh, there are uh, concerns and serious concerns and real concerns that have uh, real merit uh, that the Fed may be going uh, too far too fast, uh, given that uh, they don't know the effects of uh, the rate increases that they've already done. And the fact that the Fed is also engaging quantitative ease, uh, tightening, um, which is uh, going to also slow the money supply. And this is leading to all this uncertainty that we see in uh, financial markets and also leading to this rise that we're seeing in interest rates. And uh, that may be where the greatest opportunity lies is uh, is in the bond market. Uh, if you believe that the Fed is uh, as determined as they say they are in slowing inflation and uh, causing the uh, world economies uh, to uh, to. Uh, begin to see 
less increase in prices, uh, then uh, you may see uh, that uh, the bond market may be uh, the place that you're going to see or look back and say, hey, that's where the best opportunity was. Of course, time will tell. So, backing all the way up um, and some thoughts uh, for the day um, before we get into uh, where financial markets are today. I'm going to uh, talk about uh, some things that we can think of uh, as we live our lives. Um, And uh, these thoughts come from uh, Warren Buffett and uh, his four words on how we can uh, live a much happier life. Um, And he says, the biggest lesson on happiness that stands the test of time and uh, perhaps is especially apropos in this uh, age of uh, of, uh, quitting or, uh, or, or folks uh, moving on to new jobs, um, and that is to do what you love. Uh, Warren Buffett said, I get to work in a job that I love, but I have always worked at a job that I loved. I loved it as much when I thought it was a big deal to make $1,000. I urge you to work in jobs that you love. I think you are out of your mind if you keep taking jobs that you don't like because you think it will look good on your resume. If you do what you love, you will be aligned with doing the things that you care about. Um, you, when you do that, uh, you will see that uh, your work, your values, and the things that bring you purpose um, are all in alignment. Um, once you have purpose, then you will have passion, um, which comes from the desire to make a change or a difference, uh, whether that's a difference for your customer, your business, or even the world. Um, you will be out there uh, with uh, with that enthusiasm. That enthusiasm will be contagious, um, and that enthusiasm and that contagion will breed success. Um, you will build a network or a team around you um, of others uh, who are like-minded and feel that they all belong to a team that is uh, aligned and strategically moving forward. Um, and finally, um, you will have uh, one of the most critical ingredients uh, for success uh, at your fingertips, and that is optimism. Um, you will be very optimistic uh, that you can effectuate change, that you can make the world a better place. It doesn't mean that you won't wake up every morning uh, knowing lots of stuff is broken and is about to break, um, but you will be optimistic that uh, you and your team are up to the task of uh, of tackling those challenges, um, of fixing those breaks, and making, uh, whether it's your company, um, or your team, or the world, a better place. All right, let's move on to uh, this morning here. Uh, last week uh, was a week where we saw losses in the equity markets in the uh, 4 to 4.8% range, so uh, one of the worst weeks in the markets in a couple of years. Um, and uh, this morning, things are starting out weaker. Uh, U.S. stock futures uh, are falling this morning. Uh, this is ahead of the federal interest rate uh, decision on Wednesday. And amidst uh, concerns about the health of the U.S. economy, um, we are on pace right now um, for uh, losses in our third consecutive session. Uh, the Dow is right now off its worst levels of the morning, and futures are indicating a uh, open down 250 points. Uh, NASDAQ futures look to open down about 30 points. And uh, uh, actually, it's S&P futures are down about 30. NASDAQ futures are down about 100. S&P futures uh, are looking to open significantly below the 3,900 level, which was uh, cited as a critical support. We talked about that last week. Um, and uh, if the S&P uh, were to break 3,900, which uh, it looks like it's on track to do right now, um, there are some technicians who say that could set up a retest of the 
uh, June lows, which are were around 36.60. So, what messages is the market sending to us uh, amidst uh, this uh, continuing uh, worries and sell-off? Uh, one, the market is telling us that they are concerned about earnings season, uh, which is uh, kicking off, as I mentioned earlier, uh, in a couple of weeks. Um, last week, uh, we got a warning from FedEx that uh, earnings are going to be dramatically lower than they had anticipated, largely on weakness in Asia and Europe. Um, but this uh, concern from a uh, global company that uh, has its tentacles um, in uh, much of the world economy, saying that business is slowing down the magnitude that they expressed, um, is something that uh, brought uh, serious concerns uh, to financial markets. Taking a look at uh, the expectations uh, for what we have uh, this week, and that's that the Federal Reserve on Wednesday is going to raise interest rates by 75 basis points. Markets are pricing in a 100% probability of a 75 basis point increase. Um, and when I say that, uh, that's because there's also a 20% chance that it'll go by a full point. So at least 75, um, there's actually an 80% probability of 75, um, and a 20% probability being priced in that uh, the Fed may go uh, 100 uh, basis points. Now that interest rates uh, are beginning to rise, uh, Wall Street Journal uh, this morning saying that uh, these rising uh, interest rates or rising bond yields are changing the calculus for stocks. Uh, the rising bond prices uh, are changing uh, the dynamic uh, between stock uh, yields and stock prices and uh, and uh, bond yields and bond and what bonds are uh, paying to investors. Um, after several federal interest rate increases, uh, yields across the Treasury market are at multi-year highs. Fewer than 16% of S&P 500 stocks have dividend yields that are greater than the yield of the two-year Treasury note, which is approaching 4% uh, this morning. Um, right now, uh, we are seeing uh, the two-year note uh, is at a 3.93%. That's up seven basis points. Ten-year uh, yield right now um, is at 3.48, up three basis points. Um, as we take a look at this uh, information this morning, um, fewer than 20% of stocks have dividend yields that is greater than the 10-year Treasury note. That's the lowest level since 2006. A lot of investors chose to take risk in the equity market because there was no return available anywhere else. Uh, now's the time where people are thinking, do I really need to take that risk, uh, said Kenny Nixon, chief investment offer at Northern Trust. Traders see an interest rate increase as a foregone conclusion. Um, but what do we have uh, to look forward to at this Fed meeting? Well, critically important um, is going to be to watch the dot plot. Um, with the expectations of another big increase at this meeting, the question facing the markets is how high the Fed will take interest rates before they pause, pause or even start to lower them. Uh, the dot plot reflects the individual projections of Fed officials when it comes to the economy and interest rates. While these simply reflect expectations and don't set where policy will go, investors will be able to get a sense of the direction that Fed officials are anticipating in the future. Also, take a look at what the Fed has to say about the inflation outlook on Wednesday. Underlying it all will be the Fed's discussion of the outlook for inflation and the announcement, projections, and press conference and, and uh, press conference by Jerome Powell um, after the meeting on Wednesday um, will give some insights into his thoughts about future inflation. 
One critical question is how the Fed will characterize the latest inflation report. The question becomes how confident the Fed is that inflation will be trending down towards its 2% target. Also of critical importance will be the Fed's views on wage pressures. Um, if the whole point of these interest rate increases is to bring about demand destruction, then we are going to have to see wage gains slow down, um, and it will be uh, uh, insightful uh, to hear what uh, Chairman Powell has to say uh, regarding uh, what he sees uh, currently and what he expects to see with uh, respect to wages going forward. So in the news this morning, um, some important uh, comments uh, from President Biden. Um, he was on 60 Minutes last night. Um, in an interview, um, he said uh, that the U.S. troops would defend Taiwan if China attacks them. Um, but White House officials still say that it's not U.S. policy, but this is the second or third time that President Biden has said that the U.S. would come to the aid of Taiwan in the event of a China attack. Uh, this uh, reiteration after uh, several murky uh, backtracks in the past um, is, in my opinion, uh, somewhat of a game changer. He had time to think about the remarks he made to 60 Minutes. He was very clear and decisive with respect to those remarks. And uh, in my view, um, they were somewhat uh, of a true change in U.S. Uh, policy and uh, something that had been uh, hinted at in the past, so it wasn't a complete shock. But nevertheless, um, that is something the markets are going to digest uh, over the next week or so, and uh, markets will be uh, monitoring uh, Chinese comments uh, following that uh, strong statement uh, from President Biden. President Biden on 60 Minutes uh, on the economy said he thinks inflation will be controlled. He also said he thinks the pandemic is over. He said his firm decision on running in 2024 remains to be seen. That's also a change in the past. He said he was uh, uh, certainly going to uh, be uh, running again. Um, he talked about the federal income tax brackets for individuals and says he has no plans on proposing any changes to them. Um, he spoke uh, regarding uh, the situation in Ukraine and uh, suggested that uh, uh, that the Chinese and uh, and India are removing themselves or distancing themselves uh, from uh, from Russia um, most recently, as evidenced by some of their actions and comments at uh, the gathering in Asia, where many of the world leaders from uh, Central and Southeast Asia attended. Uh, President Biden also uh, approved the Puerto Rico emergency declaration following landfall of Hurricane Fiona. Uh, currently, uh, Puerto Rico uh, islands, uh, island is without power. Um, in Taiwan, uh, they had a um, 6.9 magnitude earthquake and tsunami uh, warnings issued there. Uh, this morning, uh, we are seeing Bitcoin falling below 19,000. Um, and the Wall Street Journal is reporting that the Pentagon wants defense contractors to limit supplies from China. Companies in the news this morning, Adobe getting downgraded by multiple firms uh, this morning after uh, their announcement of a $20 billion acquisition uh, last week, which was uh, largely uh, viewed as uh, negative, the stock falling significantly, and this morning uh, down another five points after some uh, downgrades, including one from Wells Fargo. Um, AutoZone, AZO, um, up about 2% this morning as they announced earnings and uh, beat on revenues. Um, 
In M&A news, uh, Purple Innovation, a biotech company, PRPL, uh, said it received an unsolicited non-binding proposal to acquire all of its outstanding stock for $4.35 per share. Looking forward to what's going on this week. Uh, today, uh, we have the National Association of Home Builders releasing its housing market index for September. Looking for a reading of 48.5, which would be even with last month. Um, Wednesday, we get existing home sales for August. Um, those are expected to drop by about 100,000 to 4.7 million. Wednesday, we get the earnings from General Mills and Home Builder Lennar. Then, of course, on Wednesday, the Federal Open Market Committee announcing its monetary policy decision, as well as uh, the discussion with Chairman Powell afterwards. Um, and uh, we discussed uh, the importance of that and what the financial markets will be looking for. Thursday, earnings from uh, Costco um, and FedEx. Um, also on Thursday, the Bank of Japan announcing its uh, monetary policy decision. The central bank in Japan is expected to maintain its ultra-low interest rate policy, keep its target rate unchanged at negative one-tenth of one percent. The dovish BOJ uh, stands in stark contrast to the hawkish U.S. Federal Reserve. And uh, as a result of their dovishness relative to our hawkishness, the yen has sunk to its lowest level against the dollar since 1998. Thursday, conference board releasing leading economic indicators. Those are expected to decline one-tenth of one percent after a decline of four-tenths of one percent last month. And then Friday, we get S&P releasing its global um, manufacturing and services, PMI, looking for a reading of 51 um, and for the uh, manufacturing uh, services and 45.3 for services, um, and uh, those numbers compare with 51.5 and 43.7 respectively last month. So as we take a look at uh, Barron's and uh, markets, uh, Barron's uh, talking about uh, the uh, carnage we saw last week, Dow down 4.1%, S&P down 4.8, NASDAQ down 5.5. Um, and uh, Barron's uh, pointing to uh, the fact that last week uh, that the uh, markets uh, got the bad news from FedEx, uh, driving home the point uh, that uh, the uh, monetary policy decisions by the Fed in combination with uh, the rising commodity prices are starting to have a real impact on the economy. And therefore, uh, those who had felt that uh, perhaps uh, – the uh, weakness in financial markets uh, in uh, earnings would be transitory, uh, to borrow a phrase from the Federal Reserve, um, that those uh, are looking to become uh, more entrenched and permanent. Um, if you're looking for a silver lining, things got so bad last week that uh, on Tuesday, only 1% of stocks in the S&P 500 finished higher. Uh, that has happened only 28 other times since 1940. Uh, silver lining is that uh, when you had uh, that much negative breath, uh, that the index has gained an average of 15.6% over the following 12 months on average and was higher 79% of the time. Uh, so you might say, well, is this a buying opportunity? Well, not so fast uh, because in those 21% uh, of the time when things got bad, uh, many of the times things got really bad because markets uh, went uh, from being oversold, as they arguably are now, to becoming super oversold, um, which can be a prelude to further declines. And when you have uh, oversold conditions leading to extremely oversold conditions, um, you can get a situation that uh, we've seen previously, and that would be a 
market collapse. Um, so the odds of a market collapse uh, are increasing. No way predicting a market collapse. Uh, the the, the probability is that uh, is that we don't get a market collapse, that we have uh, a bounce back from oversold conditions. Uh, but when you have things that are this oversold, that is a possibility, um, and you have to factor that into your thinking going forward. Um, in terms of when things may turn around, um, we have the Fed continuing to raise interest rates. If you go and look back at history, uh, bear markets usually don't end, and bull markets usually don't start until the Fed starts easing. Um, and typically, uh, bull markets uh, begin not after the first Fed ease, but the second Fed ease. And historically, uh, when markets have rallied before the Fed begins to ease, um, typically uh, you uh, fall back into a bear market uh, situation um, and get a double dip um, in equity prices. Um, so all eyes, once again, on the Fed. Um, how much higher are they going to raise rates? What's going to be the terminal rate? The terminal rate um, being the maximum Fed funds rate. Um, expectations are for a terminal rate somewhere between 4.4 and 5%. Markets right now are pricing in a terminal rate of 4.41%. Uh, currently, uh, Fed funds rate uh, is uh, two and a quarter to two and a half. Expected to go to three to three and a quarter um, at the very least after the next Fed fund meeting. Um, but what that means if the terminal rate is going to be somewhere in that four. 40 to 5% that the Fed still has a lot more raising to do. Um, and therefore, uh, um, if you look at history, this bear market uh, may have uh, more room to run. After the sell-off, one of the big uh, uh, expectations in the past has been, um, well, the Fed's going to ride into the rescue and going to do something to help out the equity markets. Um, as we've learned uh, in the last several months, um, this time is different than it's been over the last 10 years. Um, or since the financial crisis, uh, the Fed um, at this moment in time uh, doesn't appear to have the markets back. Um, in fact, quite the opposite. The Fed is uh, expected to uh, keep raising rates uh, despite uh, the pain um, that these rate increases uh, may inflict on the economy until they see the whites in the eyes of inflation um, and uh, are going to be able to be confident that they have put that genie back into the bottle. Moving on to uh, to Barron's and a couple of thoughts about a couple of industries uh, before I turn things over to Brad. Um, the cover story of Barron's uh, talked about uh, the streaming businesses, something that uh, just about all of us are familiar with uh, as streaming services have become pervasive and one of the primary forms of uh, home entertainment. And uh, Barron's uh, discussing uh, what uh, the future may be like for uh, streaming services and where the opportunities uh, may arise. Um, and uh, one of the key takeaways is that uh, the future of streaming um, is going to be a future that looks uh, somewhat more like uh, the past of uh, network television, um, which is going to include uh, more advertisements, uh, something that we uh, previously didn't associate with uh, streaming. Um, which will provide lower cost services, um, but at the same time uh, will uh, will take away some of our uh, time in in exchange for those lower prices. Uh, but one of the uh, interesting uh, thoughts uh, regarding uh, ads on streaming services is that uh, they may change the dynamic in uh, the advertising space um, because. Being able to uh, provide ads on streaming services uh, potentially enables a, a significant amount of targeting um, that doesn't exist with uh, traditional network television or what some folks call linear television. Um, so streaming services 
will be able to more effectively compete against uh, the Googles and the Facebooks of the world. Um, and this is an area that, uh, that they may face uh, serious competition within as uh, streaming services are able to gather lots of information about you and uh, use that information to help advertising companies uh, target ads uh, towards you. Um, the future of streaming and ads and getting the pricing right, though, is uh, quite complicated and uncertain. Um, so Barron's uh, certainly expressing uh, reservations um, regarding the ability of uh, Netflix uh, to do this uh, in a uh, way that uh, will please Wall Street. Uh, nevertheless, uh, the potential opportunities are great and the potential pitfalls are great. Um, and uh, in reviewing this article, you'll uh, be able to uh, read the analysts uh, who think they're going to nail it and the analysts who think that they're going to uh, struggle. Uh, some other companies uh, that uh, potentially uh, could be beneficiaries of uh, ads on streaming services are Trade Desk, uh, which competes, competes with Alphabet as an ad buying platform, and they've partnered with Disney in streaming advertising to target those ads uh, to, uh, to uh, consumers. Um, Microsoft is, uh, is uh, a big player. They've uh, worked out a deal with uh, Netflix. They are a rising ad play player, um, and uh, they could benefit from this move to, uh, to streaming. And uh, finally, uh, some uh, think that uh, Roku, uh, which uh, stock price has collapsed, um, could, uh, could represent a good opportunity um, to recover um, some of the uh, some of the losses that they've experienced uh, as they are able to monetize uh, advertising on their platform. Mention one final stock um, and then turn things over to Brad. Um, and uh, this stock is uh, Newmont Mining, which uh, was written up in Barron's uh, as a stock that's too cheap to ignore. Uh, why it's time to buy. Newmont Mining is the uh, largest uh, miner of uh, gold um, in in the U.S. By, uh, out of any stock uh, listed on the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, gold has lost its shine of late, uh, but gold producer Newmont might be a diamond in the rough. Um, it hasn't been easy being a gold miner lately. Um, price of gold has been sliding since the top $2,000 an ounce in March. At the same time, the Federal Reserve has been raising interest rates, sending the U.S. dollar higher, and uh, that combination uh, has created a uh, spiral downward uh, for gold, and it's tumbled 19% uh, from its highs. But uh, Newmont mining stock has tumbled a lot harder than that, that uh, tumble in gold. It's down more than 50% from its uh, April high. It's down to around $42.50 a share. Um, its lowest price since March of 2020, which was uh, in the uh, depths of the COVID sell-off. And at that time, gold was selling at around $1,500 an ounce. Now gold is at around $1,665 per ounce. Uh, the company has been hurt by the same inflationary pressures affecting practically every business. Um, and therefore, the cost to extract gold has increased from uh, around uh, $1,050 an ounce to $1,150 an ounce. Um, and that's one of the reasons the stock has been under pressure. Uh, nevertheless, uh, Barron saying uh, now may be the time to buy Newmont stock. Uh, the dollar, um, one of the headwinds, is unlikely to rise forever. And owning gold does provide a hedge in the case of uh, uh, any uh, significant uh, potential geopolitical tremors or economic treasure tremors. Uh, Newmont stock continues to increase its production of the precious metal. Um, and it also carries a 5.2% dividend yield, which means that uh, investors uh, can get paid to wait. Um, an analyst at Goldman Sachs, uh, Emily Chiang, 
said recent underperformance marks an attractive entry point for a low-risk gold producer delivering volume growth. Uh, the symbol there is NEM, Nancy Echo Mary. That I'll turn it over to Brad to uh, talk uh, some more about the market that's uh, certainly uh, getting an increasing focus and attention, the bond market. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Keith. Good morning, everyone. With the exception of four New York sports teams winning yesterday, a first in 13 years, it's uh, definitely been tough to get up and at them on Monday mornings as a financial professional. Uh, my first call this morning was with Keith, uh, who really did talk me off the ledge about the free fall of the markets. And we discussed that bonds have not looked this attractive in a long time. Uh, Keith understands investing and portfolio management. Uh, for me, as, as a trader, I'm looking at the daily marks to market, and that's not always the right way to look at things. Uh, the conversation with Keith uh, truly reminded me that for many high-tax state investors, 4% of municipals is still, in many cases, a better than 7% taxable equivalent yield. And over, and over the course of history, that is a very uh, nice return. Uh, just one footnote, when uh, the 10-year and 30-year were probably down about a point, on both bonds, uh, the 10 years now down an eighth of a point, the 30 years up an eighth of a point, uh, meaning that there is interest here in bonds. On a, on a personal note, I'm disgusted that there was a multi-year period where investors were forced to buy longer bonds or riskier assets in order to get any return at all. Uh, 2% munis that were bought, uh, at, that were bought, uh, with 20-year maturities, uh, made sense a year or two ago. But they're now in the portfolios sitting there down 30 to 35% in value. Uh, that's very frustrating. We just have to remember that the only silver lining on this is that you do get par at maturity. But it is difficult because people do want to look at their statements, and it is uh, obviously a mark. Also, hearing about the equity market back then, Tina, there is no alternative. Uh, well, now you have a heck of an alternative in bonds. In hindsight, last year, the best alternative would have just been sitting, uh, was just been keeping a lot of the portfolio sitting at zero. But who would have known how fast and furiously the Fed would have changed course here and started uh, raising rates so aggressively? I was going to talk about uh, municipal uh, tax loss swaps and deep discount municipals this week, but I decided that I'm going to wait a couple of weeks on that now. Uh, the opportunity to buy longer term 2 and 3% municipal municipals could potentially be enormous, and if handled properly, uh, could create equity-like returns, maybe better than equity-like returns. Uh, but on these bonds, I'd rather not try to catch the falling knife here. I've seen this happen uh, several times in my career, and the opportunities can just be unbelievable. So please keep that in mind uh, that we will talk about that. Uh, during these tough, tough markets, we're all here for each other. Uh, both for a financial discussion and as well as Keith did for me this morning, listen to another and possible very helpful opinion. And have a good week. And back to Keith. Thanks. Thanks, Brad. That's everything I've got. Thank you for listening to Mr. Keith Lanton. This podcast is available on most platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Pandora. For more information, please visit our website at www.com. HeraldLantern.com
Opinions expressed herein are subject to change and not necessarily the opinion of the firm. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. The information presented herein is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide personal investment advice. It is important that you consider your tolerance for risk and investment goals when making investment decisions. Investing in securities does involve risk and the potential of losing money. The material does not constitute research, investment advice, or trade recommendations.